You know, I was just sitting there a while ago looking out and we, we've been praying before the service that the Holy Spirit would be here. And I don't know about you, but I, I certainly sense God's presence this morning. But the other thought that occurred to me was, I am so grateful to be a part of this church. And I want you to know that I love you very much. Uh, Joanne in the back, I, I love her especially because she, I send her the outline for the sermon usually on Saturday. It takes that long for me to get the outline together to figure out what I'm going to be preaching on. And yet she graciously puts it on the PowerPoint so that it's up on the board. And I, I appreciate you very much. I'm reading this morning from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. They were to be talking about worship. I, I heard about a guy and he wanted to get his mother a special gift for her birthday. And he found there was a bird. I guess it was a parrot. And the bird, the bird actually knew like 4,000 words, three languages, and was even able to sing two or three operas. It cost $50,000, but he said, it's my mother. And so he gave his mother the special gift. The next morning, he woke up and he wanted to find out how she had done with the bird. So he said, Mother, how did everything go with the bird? Did you like the bird? She said, Oh, son, it was delicious. <laughs> Obviously, the bird did not fulfill all of his purpose. Now last week, Carolyn preached on the first section of the purpose-driven life. And she talked about it is an introduction to all of it. If a person is looking in life for the reason that he's here, the purpose that he has, where do you look? Well, you don't look within. Like many of the books talk about looking within and finding your true self or whatever. That, that's not where it is. It is also not to be found around us. You can't find it in fame or wealth or all the, the pretty old things of this world. If you're going to find your purpose, you have to look up. To the one that has created you. And that is where you find your genuine purpose. Now the section that we're studying in our small groups uh, this week deals with giving God pleasure. But the actual heart of it is worship. And I believe that the book has some really interesting insights about worship. And I want to look at some things that make us uh, our worship go productively. First of all, you worship with your life. And it says in uh, Romans 12 that we just read, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship is a kind of worship that takes place within us every day. As you get up in the morning, you should begin worshiping. Uh, you should be worshiping all through the day. And in fact, in the book, it suggests setting your alarm for every hour so that this is sort of a reminder. And for those that may not be technically, technologically challenged, uh, like Lynn, without mentioning any names, 
that might be a good way to do it. Just set your alarm on your cell phone so that you know to, to worship God throughout the day. David just sang beautifully the heart of worship. And that's mentioned in the book, but there's more to the story than the book actually gives. It took place in England some years ago. And the pastor felt that the church was losing something, that it wasn't having the kind of worship that it needed to be having. And so he actually took away the musicians, he took away the singing, and at first it was very uncomfortable and awkward for people as they were looking around, trying to figure out what they were supposed to be doing. And so he didn't bring it back for one full year. But during that time, a guy by the name of Matt Redman wrote a poem. But it was for his own personal devotion, not for anybody else. He showed it to the pastor, and the pastor said, this is something that everybody ought to share. And they changed it a little bit to include everybody. And now this is a song that is sung around the world. Coming back to the heart of worship, it's all about you. Which is really the heart of uh, the purpose-driven life as well. It is not about us. It is about God. And as we look in the Bible, we see uh, there was a man by the name of Noah in the book of Genesis. And the world had become very wicked, probably not that much different than it is today. And so God decided to destroy the world except for Noah. And the Bible says uh, God found great, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah with all the people, was the only one that pleased God. He pleased God with his life. And you and I are to please God with our lives as well. Uh, the life you live is supposed to be a life of worship. And we demonstrate that worship each and every day. In the psalm, it says, Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Paul said pretty much the same thing in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He said, giving thanks for everything. That means you have a life of praise. We all have to go through Ihihik. Unfortunately, sometimes, especially when all the Canadians are here, uh, the traffic is horrible. It takes 30 minutes or longer just to get through Ihihik. And so while you're doing that, while you're waiting around, Spend time with God. Pray to God. I, I sometimes put worship songs uh, and listen to them. And you know what? I, I worship God through those songs. Singing helps me to worship God more effectively. And so I like that. And we ought to be worshiping God with all of our lives. Through all of our lives. But why do you, why do you worship God? It's because God has given you everything. God gave you a gift of life. He gives you salvation when He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. He gives you a family, and He gives you, more importantly, a church family. And that's why I like to be among the people of God, because we share something in common. We share a Lord in common. And that truly makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. I was reading about a Korean man. And he was asked, you know, what is your job? And he replied, my job is being a Christian. And we went on to explain, 
He said, I work in order to earn a living. But my job is being a Christian. We worship God with our job. Now, I, I believe that uh, Rick Warren, he emphasized this personal dimension of worship, and it's really, really important. Uh, but I think that there's a second part of worship as well, and that is corporate worship. That is why we gather together every Sunday to worship the Almighty God. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. So He is here with us. And there is a dimension to worship that I cannot duplicate on my own. But I can have it with the people of God as we gather together every Sunday to worship Him. The Almighty God. We worship God with our lives. And then secondly, you worship God with your mind. Now, as I was thinking about it, I didn't try to follow Rick Warren's outlines. I tried to include some of the main ideas. But I was thinking of uh, when Matthew, when Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so I used that as part of the development. And uh, in Ephesians 4 it says, Then we will no longer... That's actually... Yeah. Okay. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every uh, every uh, way I'm here <laughs> here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their own deceitful scheming. God wants us to worship Him with the mind. And I came to this church probably two and two-thirds years ago. And one of the reasons that I came was because I really enjoyed hearing Ross preach. Uh, he, I, I always thought he was like a preacher among preachers. Uh, I've been to seminary, spent a lot of time there, taught at a seminary for 11 years, but every time he preached... Uh, there was a dimension there. He always seemed to teach something or have a different angle than I had thought of. Uh, he, he, I believe, worshipped God with his mind. And you know, that is a great thing for all of us. To be able to worship God, we need to meditate upon His Word. We need to think about Him. And in doing that, that is really an act of worship. Worship with the mind. Luke 7, it talks about a sinful woman. And Jesus was in a certain town and he went to the home of uh, he went to the home of Simon who was a Pharisee. And while he was there this woman remembered that Jesus was there and she even though the Bible says she was a wicked woman we don't know what she was doing but she had some perfume and he came and it was a custom of that day to wash people's feet. Simon never did anything, but this woman did. She came with the most valuable thing that she had, her per perfume. And she began to wash Jesus' feet and anoint it with perfume. And she wept. And she dried the tears and the perfume with her hair. And Simon did not say anything, but he was thinking, and Jesus knew what he was thinking. 
He was saying, thinking to himself, this man can't possibly be a prophet because he would know what kind of woman this is that's washing his feet. And Jesus said, uh, I came here and you didn't wash my feet at all. But she came with perfume and tears, wiping it with her hair because she loved me. And because of that, her sins are forgiven. And he turned to her and he said, Your sins are forgiven. That's what it means to worship God with a heart. It is not just the mind, but the heart as well. We talked a little bit in Sunday school about something of the different style that, uh, that Ross and I had. His, he certainly emphasized the mind, and, and I, I believe he preached also to the heart. But for me, uh, you know, I don't have the mind of uh, Ross, so I have to focus a little bit more upon the heart. But I think that is vitally important. We worship God not only with our minds, but also with our hearts. An act of love. That's why we worship with our hearts, because we love Him with all of our hearts. The, the novel Les Miserables was published in the 19th century. And there was one character in there named Valjean. I only took one year of French, so actually just a semester. So you know, if I'm not getting those exactly right, you know, it's as close as I can get right now. The main character had stolen bread and done some other things, and so he was put into prison and he stayed there for 19 years. He got out and he was determined not to do that again, but he, nobody would give him a job. And so he ended up stealing from the bishop. He stole some silver spoons. And the police were called in and he was brought there. And uh, the bishop had a chance to speak. And there were several things the bishop could have done. He could have demanded justice. He could have said, because of what you have done, I'm turning you over to the police. But he didn't do that. He could have demonstrated mercy and said, because you've stolen this, if you'll give it back to me, then you know I won't do anything more. But he didn't do that. He extended grace. And he said, oh, you forgot to take the candlesticks. They're worth quite a bit as well. <laughs> God has extended mercy and grace to us. And by His grace, life is an opportunity for worship. And we worship Him with our hearts. Well, how do we go about doing that? We find uh, in 2 Samuel that David worshipped God with his body. <laughs> it says that he danced with all of his heart. He danced before God. I haven't seen in too many of the churches people dancing, although I did attend one church where they were dancing and kind of running around the room. But listen, if the Holy Spirit's leading you to dance, dance. And then uh, it says in Psalm 95, 1-2, it says to shout before the Lord. Do you know that the Methodists at one time were called the shouting Methodists? They were so caught up that they would shout. They had a mourner's bench in the front. 
And people would come to the mourner's bench and they would cry out and seek the face of God. I haven't heard them call shouting Methodist in a while. It says in 1 Timothy 2.8, lift up holy hands to the Lord. And you know, we have a few people in here that lift up their hands to God. To me, that's an, an attitude of submission before God and a giving of our hearts and our lives before Him. Some of those things may not sound very Presbyterian, but that's okay. If God leads you to worship with your body, uh, with your voice, with your hands, worship God the way that He's inspiring you to. The worship of God. That's the reason we come here. Not to impress one another and not to be concerned if somebody's pointing at us because we're doing something different. You are worshiping God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind. And then finally, you worship in the Spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus was talking with a woman at Samaria. He was at the well. And the disciples had gone into town to get food. And she came and she was a woman also of great sin. Jesus seemed to be attracted to people that were sinners, kind of like us. We're, we're, we're in the same category. This woman had five husbands and the man that she was shacked up with was not her husband at all. And they began to talk about the things of God. She kind of tried to change the conversation. She said, well, where should we worship? Here at Mount Gerizim, where we Samaritans worship, or at Mount Zion, where we Jews worship? Jesus said, God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, the truth was actually found in Jesus. Jesus did not say, I know the truth. He did not say, I can teach you the truth. He said, I am the truth. And we should worship Him in truth and in spirit. If you look in the New Testament, you find that when the Holy Spirit is present, some strange things happen. The Spirit comes with great power. At before Pentecost, when Jesus ascended into heaven, He said to His disciples, He said, Don't go out and turn the world upside down. Wait for the power from on high. And then, ten days later, after they'd been praying for ten days, the Spirit came. And some strange things happened. It says there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Fire-like experience jolted them into the presence of God. And then they began to speak and everyone understood in his own dialect. Not an unknown tongue here, but a dialect where the Holy Spirit was the interpreter. And those that saw what was going on said, these people must be drunk with wine. So there appears to be something of being filled with the Holy Spirit that superficially at least looks like drunkardness. Peter stood up to speak and he said, no, they're not drunk, it's too early in the morning. They weren't Presbyterians. (laughs) But it was the Holy Spirit. He said, this is what the prophet Joel said. 
Later on, Paul was talking and he said, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Something that looked like drunkenness. Isn't that interesting? What if we saw that in our congregation today? What would we say? What would we think? I hope we would think, uh, this is the Holy Spirit. And we need to be ready if the Holy Spirit works and operates in our lives. But many times in the past, God, God sent not only an occurrence at Pentecost, but He also has sent awakening again and again throughout Christian history. People prayed and sought the Lord and God came with great power. And many times the pastors, often Presbyterians or Christian Reformed or Dutch Reformed, often the pastors who had been praying for an awakening tried to put a stop to it because it didn't appear to be appropriate. Uh, One of those took place in South Africa. There was a well-known preacher by the name of Andrew Murray. He was still a young pastor at that time. and He heard about awakenings going on around the world. And so they got together in 1860 and they prayed. And there were many pastors there and they prayed and they wept and they cried out to God that he would send an awakening. They'd also been asking for God to raise up some young preachers, but there was not one young man raised up in that area. Fifty days later, at Pentecost, the young people of this church had gathered together. And a black girl spoke so sweetly that there was a silence and then there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It sounded far away and it began to get closer and closer. And all those young people stood up and began praying aloud, seeking God. The young man in charge was young Christian de Vries, and he fell down upon his knees. And he was praying. But somebody told the pastor, and they're doing some strange things in there. So Andrew Murray came in, and he told uh, de Vries, he said, what's going on? And he's, de Vries said, it's God. He said, well, I'm holding you responsible. <laughs> he said, he shouted out a time or two, stop, but nobody paid any attention to him. He said to DeFries, let's sing a song. They sang. Still no one listened. And he kind of stormed out and he said, we prayed for awakening, but this is chaos. Well, the prayer meetings began developing all through the community. So he had no choice but to call a general meeting at the schoolhouse where many people came. And he said, okay, we're going to pray, but Uh, we need to have this decently and in order. Good Presbyterian phrase. Dutch Reformed. When he said that, everybody stood up and began praying aloud simultaneously. And he was totally confused, but there was an old man in the back. And he came forward and he said... I have seen this before in other places. He said, be careful what you do. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on every believer. We worship God in the Spirit. Worship with your life. Worship with your mind. Worship with your heart. Worship with your spirit. We gather together today to worship the Almighty God.
For Him alone is the glory. And He is worthy of our worship and our praise. You bow with me? Gracious God, we know that You are God. That You are real. That You are in our lives. And Father, we thank You that You grant us the privilege of being Your children and worshiping You day by day. We do ask right now that You will be with us this hour for the rest of the day. God, we pray that everything that we do will glorify Your name. That Jesus be lifted up in our eyes and in our hearts. In His precious name we pray. Amen.